There's always been those moments where you just sort of feel at absolute bliss. And um, I remember the last time that was was uh, actually about a year ago, next month. And it was when I got out of a breakup, which was months and months of just like being stuck in the flat with him because it was scary to leave. And um, I was very unfit and just didn't get out. And then I started going to the gym. And then, yeah, I sort of left and got my own little place with people. And uh, I just remember like, putting down all my boxes, making my bed, just lying in my bed. And it was one of those moments where it's just like, I am completely and utterly happy and okay. Yeah. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Right Feeling Podcast. So by the podcast title, I'm sure you know that today it's going to be a little bit more personal. <laughs> Today I'm joined by my very good friend Jacinta. I call her Jay. She's a French urban planner currently based in Paris, working for the really cool company Cini and Uco as a project manager. If you've ever been to Paris and you visited uh, La Cité Futile, which is around the area of Pantin, for people who aren't from Paris, you probably will have no idea what I'm talking about. <laughs> Basically, their mission is to assist real estate developers and municipalities slash local government on creating something very special and cool called third places. Basically, these are spaces made to create like informal socialization and innovation around subjects like female entrepreneurship, sustainable development, etc. <laughs> But today, we aren't going to be talking about third places, unfortunately. That'll be for another podcast episode. Jay and I actually get into the subject of heartbreak because, well, you'll hear the story. <laughs> but I should disclaim that this was recorded a few months ago, maybe just like one or two months into quarantine. So yeah, anyway, hopefully you get to know us a little bit more and... Hope that you enjoy this episode and the little piece I'll be sharing a little later. Bienvenue au podcast, Jay. Thank you. Merci. <laughs> So, yeah, we're not going to be speaking French the entire podcast episode, no. but I just wanted to welcome you in your mother tongue. But yeah, welcome to the podcast, Jay. Why don't you introduce a little bit about yourself to the audience? Sure. So my name is Jacinta. I'm 25. I am French and I'm currently living in Paris. I am working for a company that uh, develops what we call third places. Which Super are cool. It's it's really cool. It's a really interesting subject. It's basically places where you get to socialize and party, and yet you're still doing a lot of stuff for the environment, for social causes and everything. So it's really cool. Mm -hmm. I mean, I guess to also let the listeners know how we met, I think it was six years ago now at this point. It was oh, seven no. years. <laughs> but yeah, we met in London when mm -hmm. I was studying abroad there. Yeah, it was a good time back in London, mm -hmm. but I feel also that we developed our relationship after London. Like, yeah. we're yeah. definitely a long-distance friendship. Yeah, we, we weren't so close, I think, in London, 
Like no. we would hang out occasionally, mm. and um, I had the best Malaysian curry I've ever had, or French <laughs> Malaysian curry, and, and then and crepe. Yeah, that was how I discovered that you can cook and bake with beer and rum. <laughs> But yeah, I would definitely say we developed our friendship even deeper as the years went by. Like we yeah. just kept in touch. But then now, look at us. Here we are. Yeah, and it's just funny the synergies that have happened in the last. Few months, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. definitely, yeah. So to dive into the <laughs> main subject of the podcast, I think I can disclaim that we're both a bit apprehensive about speaking about the subject, for sure. But it's a subject of heartbreak, mm -hmm. and the reason why I kind of wanted to dive in with you about this is, well, one, we both experienced it at the same time. I would say maybe just like a week apart, but. Yeah. Basically, our boyfriends broke up with us right before the quarantines. <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, crazy times. And one thing that I thought about this morning before we called each other is that you and I bond on so many subjects, right? Yeah. And there mm -hmm. could have been like a thousand subjects we could have discussed on this podcast. And yeah. I just find it funny that in the end, you know, we're talking about this because this happened at the same time for the both of us. And it's just yeah. like... We just started like disregarding all the other subjects and we're just, okay, talking about heartbreak week after week after week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, like I guess the first thing is I want to discuss how heartbreak actually feels. Mm -hmm. In movies, romantic comedies, they always describe it like, oh, my heart is broken. Oh, my heart is crushed. It feels like I've been punched or like hit by a bus or something like that. Well, for me, it definitely felt physical, like the heartbreak, mm -hmm. it, it, it really felt physical. So maybe people experience it in different ways, but I definitely felt it in my body. You know, it's just like you black out oh, yeah. and it's just like painful, but you know, you're not in pain, but yeah. it's painful. It's not like my nerves are responding to anything painful. It's not like I accidentally hit a hammer on my, my hand and it's pulsing or anything. Yeah. But I definitely did feel it in my chest and mm -hmm. actually even a lot of tension in my neck and my shoulders as well. Mm -hmm. And for me, there was a physical aspect of it in that, I don't know, it just felt like someone was pumping a lot of sugar into my heart mm -hmm. <laughs> or something. It just felt like inundated with this fluid I don't know it just felt very overwhelming yeah it might feel a little bit like a panic attack but mm. in such a crushing way yeah it's, it's just it's just you don't understand you lose complete control of your body and your mind and it's just like because your brain is trying so fast to understand what's going on mm -hmm. it's worse when you do try to control it because with the heartbreak I mean the pain is just so intense Jay mm -hmm. that I found myself crying, you know, basically every night. And then like sometimes it'd just be an ugly, yes. <laughs> just like, a very <laughs> ugly cry. You just can't. <laughs> it's yeah, atrocious. And I was very happy that I was in quarantine. <laughs> no one could see me. Yeah. Um, but yeah, when I tried to control it, it actually made it worse. Then mm -hmm. it just felt like my body was reacting. And by me trying to stifle it, it kind of fought back even more and wanted it wanted to come out, you know, and mm -hmm. it just... The expression of my pain, it couldn't be capped. Yeah. I remember over the past few weeks, we were exchanging about like what heartbreak felt like and everything. Yeah. And we were mm -hmm. also exchanging like more scientific, more rational articles about it. And I think it's a well-known fact that heartbreak 
feels like drug withdrawal. And I think they found out that it works the same way in the brain. It's just you're craving something that you cannot have anymore. Mm. And that's also why it feels so painful. And again, that you cannot do anything about it because you cannot take the drug anymore or you cannot be with the person anymore. So it, it just hurts and you have to go through it. Yeah, I mean, I think I think maybe to also give background is that we were both in quite a serious relationship yeah. for like a few years with our partners. And, you know, our partners had been integrated in our life, had met our friends, our family, and we had met their friends and their family. And I think that, you know, because you're with somebody for so long, one, you develop a habit with them. Mm-hmm. So basically thinking about them every day, whether it's just about like you see something that you think that that person will like and you just send it to them or like, who's going to get groceries tonight? Are we mm. going to go together? And they're just constantly on your yeah. mind, right? And so I feel that when you and your partner end things in the way that it is, you know, the relationship as it was, the reality of everything and all the habits and all the thoughts that you had, it's a huge detachment process. I'm just thinking like something was super glued together or soldered together, you know, Mm -hmm. welded together by two copper poles or something. And then it's just this ripping apart of that. And I think that is what the pain is. You Mm -hmm. know, it's the reflection of this detachment process that's happening because Everything that you thought was no longer is. Mm -hmm. And yeah, that's the hardest part, I think. Yeah. The thing is, I feel when you're the one being broken up with, right? Mm -hmm. Um, It's the first time in years that the person in front of you, who is supposed to be your number one, and the person you're going to take decisions with, takes a decision without you. Oh, and, oh my god you yeah. know mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah it's like it's like this person who you were creating your life around or with mm-hmm. is just like i'm taking this decision for me and i don't want you to be part of this decision anymore mm-hmm. which is i want to go on without you and it's just so hard to process and understand yeah i mean that's <laughs> We're both I, like teary eyes. <laughs> yeah, I feel the same way because um, with with me and my my ex, um, it's so weird to say that now. By yeah. the way, like ex, um, but yeah, with me and my ex, we it's not that we made a lot of decisions together, but we made the decision to be together, right? Mm-hmm. And then at some point, because there was a lot of different factors involved for us like a long distance relationship, Mm -hmm. um, moving countries and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. Of course, all those things have a factor. But at the end of the day, what it was, was the relationship wasn't worth fighting for. Mm -hmm. And you just, I don't know, for me, it felt like even though we don't make a lot of decisions together necessarily, I felt that in the context of being together and being committed to each other, that's a decision that you both make independently but also with the acknowledgement that the other person has made the same decision. Mm -hmm. If you both were in it, then you both would have made that decision together to work it out. But at the end, when he has, he or she or whatever, has already Mm -hmm. made that decision without Mm -hmm. you, like in making that decision alone, they had already ended the pact that was between the both of you, right? 
Yeah, exactly. Which, I mean, we cannot, like, we cannot blame a partner for not being in love anymore or mm -hmm. wanting something else for yeah. themselves, right? Yeah. But it doesn't take any of the pain out. And, mm -hmm. you know, with time, you start to realize, oh, okay, maybe this person was right. But it just still is so painful to, like, to face. <laughs> I, I think even for your own ego, you know, to accept the fact oh, that yeah. this yeah. person does not want to fight for you anymore or does not mm -hmm. want to fight and be with you anymore. Yeah. I mean, I know we talked about this a little bit before, um, but in a way, a lot of it is ego, right? The rejection feels like a rejection because in the end, the person being rejected is you. Yeah. Because even if they say, like, it's not you, it's me, like, I'm not in the right place, I'm not in the right time, or, or like, yeah, I have to figure things out and everything, you're still like, you know, I'm right here, and we can figure things out together, like, why don't you want me there? But that's the thing, right? That's the conundrum, is that it is actually you, because mm -hmm. in a way, you or whatever relationship you had was not enough for him. Yeah. And that's really hard to hear. Yeah. Even though they don't say it like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. But I feel even if it feels like this at the beginning of the breakup and the heartbreak and you're like, what did I do wrong? And wasn't I enough? I feel that you and I, we both went through several weeks of realizing that we both wanted the relationship to work yeah. mm -hmm. so bad. So we made a lot of sacrifices and compromises and a lot of oh okay he's like that so I'm just gonna go with it and then you know love tops whatever is bothering me but then the few weeks after the breakup you're like oh okay yeah we did not belong together personality wise and ambition wise and everything and you start to realize that the person was not the right fit for you mm. Yeah. I mean, there are definitely stages to mm -hmm. the grief of heartbreak. And I think we were at that stage where we're trying to reason with ourselves because we're both very rational people, right? Of course, we also are emotional. So we were trying to reason this emotion and what the heck was going on. And so we were just thinking we just weren't compatible. But I think it's an easy excuse for us to make ourselves feel better in a mm -hmm. way to say that we weren't compatible. For me, I was at that point when I was thinking, oh, no, we just didn't fit. At the same time, I talked with another friend who also said, yeah, but that's not true. Because if you weren't compatible, then you guys wouldn't have been together for that long. Mm -hmm. You know, like we have incompatibilities, but that doesn't mean that overall we weren't compatible. You know, because I think in any relationship, there's always going to be sacrifices and compromises mm -hmm. in that. No one really fits together. There might be some people that fit a little bit better, but there's always going to be this rubbing down process in finding the space within each other's lives, right? Yeah, yeah. And I think that some people fit better with others and others just don't fit at all. And mm -hmm. you're trying to make it work, but it's not going to work. And until you both decide, like, I don't want to be with you, or even if one person decides I don't want to be with you, then that's already when things don't, fit for me the compatibility issue mm -hmm. i think that people can be compatible at a certain period of mm -hmm. their lives in a certain setup with mm -hmm. like a very specific environment and social environment mm -hmm. and everything but then people change and people 
evolve, and then sometimes you're just not compatible anymore. Yeah, that's really、um, true. It fit at a time, and then it just doesn't fit anymore. <sighs> I hate that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it all goes back to: Do you want to fight for it or not? Like、mm. after all these years spent together,、um, do you want to accept me for the way I have evolved? Do you accept me for all the questions I have about my career or my family, or you know?、Mm. And then the person chooses whether or not they accept you this way with new challenges and、yeah. a new environment. And I think that's why it really feels like a rejection. Yeah, because you've also grown as a person. You've also changed as a person. You don't have to change a lot. The core of who you are can more or less be the same. But it feels like they didn't accept that anymore. You know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And Jay, were you at any point hard on yourself these last weeks? I'm oscillating between spurs of self confidence and like looking at myself in the mirror and be like, "You're that girl," you know,、yeah. like、mm-hmm. like he <laughs> lost something there. Like you're like, "Come on, you're so pretty and you're so funny and look、yeah. at your teeth, so straight." And, and, and then, so I have these moments, and then I'm just gonna be listening to like this. Pop music that tells me that you're like you're better off without him, and、mm. you're an independent woman. And then I have other moments when I'm like, oh, look at those thighs, and who could love you with those calves, and who could be interested in you with the way you、mm. talk or the way you breathe or <laughs> the or way like, you, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> exactly. It's just like you're starting to question everything about yourself because you're like, what. What did I do wrong? Not in my actions,、mm. but in the way that I am、mm-hmm. as a person. And I start recalling all the times that he found that I was being stupid or cringy. Jay. Yeah. Sometimes it's just like you're sharing something that's like super cute or super funny, and then the person in front of you just reacts in a way that makes you feel like they're disgusted by you.、Mm. And then, and then in those moments, you start recalling all these times that the person. Who you thought was the one, and、mm. who was your safety blanket in all types of emotional states, yeah,、um, just doesn't find you attractive in that moment or interesting.、Yeah. And I've also had those moments when you're like, "Oh God, I am so stupid," or "I am so not、oh, funny." Jay, you are one of my funniest friends. I、oh, must thank say, you. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> This is. Thanks to a lot of time spent on the internet, <laughs> and the thing is, I, I don't think I've ever felt this way about him. You know,、mm. there's no moment in our relationship where I was annoyed to this point. You know,、mm. where I was like, "Oh, right now you are not endearing to me at all." It's just even when, or just a feeling of disgust. Yeah,、like. that's the thing.、Um, Or maybe it's just like the brain making excuses for another person's behavior that you wouldn't excuse in someone else.、Mm. But that's the weird thing. I don't necessarily feel that I made excuses for him.、Mm-hmm. I felt that I just completely accepted him for who、mm. he was. Unconditional love. It's like I accept you with your qualities and your、mm. flaws, even the ones that I thought I would hate. I love you anyway.、Mm-hmm. I, I got an Instagram direct message from a girl. I think she's also based in France,、mm-hmm. but she had asked、um, how 
can you love without losing your own freedom? And I think what she meant was, how do you love without feeling possessed? And if I'm honest, I don't know if you can. <laughs> yeah. Um, because I definitely, well, one, in the heartbreak, I definitely felt possessed mm -hmm. when I was like, you know, withering in my bed. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. I was just like, wow, is this demonic or what? <laughs> <laughs> Why am I crying um, so much? <laughs> I know. Um, but yeah, like I, I feel that when it comes to, to love, I mean, I never thought this way before. Like I always had these philosophies about love and how you shouldn't give your heart away because your heart should always be yours. And if anything, you should open up your heart to somebody, but still have it be yours, right? Mm -hmm. And I always just felt like you shouldn't be possessed by love. But the thing is, is that I think when you're in love with someone, in a way, there is a part of you that's possessed because you want it to work out. And mm -hmm. you love that person so much that your entire body in a way is almost theirs, Yeah, you know? And I'm not like, of course, like the feminist in me is saying like, Nuh uh, it's your body, girl. Like, <laughs> but the reality is that when he was in pain, I was in pain. Yeah, you know, like it really felt like our bodies were connected to each other. But yeah, when that person breaks up with you, I think that's when you release the possession, and that's where you actually find a freedom in love because mm -hmm. you actually accept their decision. You don't necessarily agree with their decision. Yeah, but. In accepting their decision, you've also shown, I think, genuine love in that he's not your property. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? And you also understand that, look, this is this is just a life that they've chosen and you have to give up this possession. And I think in that, that is actually love as well, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, um, I agree. Like the image that I've had over the past couple of months uh, again and again mm -hmm. is that I feel like okay this is gonna sound super eerie but that there was two souls that were connecting in some way and then suddenly like your own soul springs back into you and it's just like oh it's super violent because this part was out of you for so long and like mm -hmm. was growing thanks to another person's soul yeah and it just like revolves back it feels that suddenly you just have to be with yourself again when mm. for so long you were just there with another person. Like, I wouldn't say that when you're in a relationship, you're losing yourself to another person, but you're becoming more. You're like elevating yourself with another person. And then when they break up with you, it's just like, oh, okay, I have to keep growing without the support mm. from another person. Or I have to learn other ways of growing, which is friends and families and yourself. Yeah. Yesterday, I also had this thought. Because, Jay, you've been with your family during quarantine and everything, mm -hmm. right? But for me, I've just been alone where I'm living. And I've gone out for a lot of walks because I can't just be by myself, like in the mm. apartment all day, right? And then I realized yesterday that I actually feel a bit self-conscious now. And I realized, though, when I was in a relationship, I didn't feel that at all. I would be able to go out and I would walk around and I just didn't care about how people perceived me or how I looked. But mm -hmm. then now that I'm single again, I feel like 
there's a part of me that's like, is somebody staring at me? Oh, how should I behave? Like my behavior is altered based mm-hmm. on the way that I feel that somebody, a man, for example, is going to perceive me to be attractive mm-hmm. or not attractive. But it's all subconscious in a way as well, right? Like I'm not actively thinking about this stuff. And I don't know if you felt that, but it just felt super weird to to kind of be this self-conscious again. Yeah. Post-breakup. Yeah. It's, um, I think that it also goes back to the ego. It's just that, oh, okay, he does not like me anymore. It's like, I heard one person say that suddenly there's a person who saw you naked a whole lot of time and then one day they just decide that they don't want to see you naked anymore okay. and and then, <laughs> then you and then this this hurts you know you're like oh oh and then after the breakup i think you just need to prove to yourself that mm. you are nice looking and mm-hmm. genuinely interesting and good personality and all this stuff you need to prove it to yourself so you just start becoming self-conscious all over again you're like oh okay so what would make me an an attractive person yeah um and then you're questioning all of this and that's when i think you're walking down the street because you're like mm-hmm. imagining okay like what if i actually meet my next partner walking down the street and I'm not ready for it and I'm not yeah. attractive enough or not funny enough or I don't have like you know mascara on or something or, yeah. <laughs> you know it's just like there's something in your mind that just like you need to prove to yourself that because this person left you doesn't mean that you are unworthy of being mm. loved and mm-hmm. being attracted to mm. And I actually also read a scientific article (laughs) on this as well. It was by an author, scientist called Helen Fisher. And Mm -hmm. she published this, I think, 15 years ago in 2005. Basically, she discovered that the feelings of love and, I mean, the emotions that come with it, the brain chemistry that happens in your mind, it closes certain neural pathways to, for example, social judgment. So then you you don't feel as judged by society around you when you're in love and when your brain is going through that chemical reaction, which is really interesting to me because maybe that's also why now that you don't have love anymore in that way, now the social judgment is also back. Yeah, towards others and also towards yourself. Exactly. The thing is, it's like being broken up with while in quarantine is just such a such an odd situation, I think. But <laughs> for sure, I've gained the need to be with myself hmm. for a while and living for myself, hmm. which I haven't... I mean, I've been doing, of course, because we were both very independent people with hmm. our own social circles and our own activities and our own jobs and everything. So we we're both very independent. But yet, I still have this urge to be on my own. And also, like, I'm starting to revalue a lot of the friendships that I have, that I have nurtured over the years, but I feel not enough. So, like, I'm reconnecting with those people on a whole new level. Like, some of my best friends, you know, they were always there for you. But then after that, they're just, like, there for you, but plus, plus, plus. They're just, Mm -hmm. like... Yeah, the connection is so real. And it's the same with some of my family members, you know, that you thought were kind of always there for you in the background or something when you needed them. But then now you're just, you want 
to connect with them and be closer with them. Mm. So I think that's another thing that I've gained out of this. Yeah, trying to see outside of just building something with your partner. It was a small part of your life and then you have all of the rest to develop. So That's yeah. very true. I realized that people cannot see the hand gestures that I'm trying to make. So <laughs> I think, yeah, okay. Yeah, I mean, it's so good to have social support. Like mm -hmm. I remember like my other ex, I had my friends around me and we went out to watch, you know, La La Land. Mm -hmm. And my friends were just patting me and trying to make sure I was okay. And it felt so good to have that social support. And then mm -hmm. this time the pain was worse. It was, it was an insane degree of pain compared to what I've experienced before. Mm -hmm. And I didn't have anyone with me, mm -hmm. you know, no physical contact because of the quarantine, no one hugging me, no one cooking with me. I just had myself and Netflix, you know, and of course I was happy because I could also call all my friends. Like that's also been really helpful. But I think experiencing this breakup during quarantine, it sounds bad. It actually, it sounds really bad. And at first I was really negative about it, but actually I'm really happy that I experienced it as I did. Yeah, I really do feel like that. I remember that the day or even the weekend of the breakup, I was like craving, like craving my friends and yeah. family to the point where like one hour after we broke up, one of my best friends rushed in the apartment and she spent the night with me and everything. And she was just there to look at me cry, which was so comforting. Mm. And then the day after my parents came and picked me up because they were just like so distressed yeah. about how distressed I was. So I was just like craving this need to be with loved ones mm. that were constituting my other support system. But I do think that after that, I also felt the need to be alone and quarantine gave me that. Um, it gave me the time to like ugly cry all I wanted <laughs> and like, you know, like look at myself in the mirror and start accepting flaws or ways I would behave or... It just, it just gave me that alone time that you're trying to escape when you're not in quarantine. Because when you're going through a breakup and there's no social distancing involved, um, mm -hmm. I feel that most of the time you're just trying to be out there at bars and getting drunk and dancing and going out with friends and meeting new guys just to like get the, the adrenaline of not even like the adrenaline, but just keeping your mind off of things. Being and, distracted. Yeah. yeah, being distracted. Exactly. And here in quarantine, you're just like, okay, I just have to face the emotions because there's nothing else I can do. I can yep. do, I can exercise if I want. You can do yoga, you can do meditation, you can do all these stuff, but you still have to face it. Yeah. And I think that's a good thing because you start processing a lot of the feelings that you have in a more rational, factual way that I think helps <laughs> you move on. Yeah. So I think... I wouldn't call it a blessing in disguise because it's not a blessing in disguise. The pain is very real. But I think there's good out of living something so strong while something so crazy is going on right now in the world. Mm. I definitely feel that after this breakup, I felt more mature. Mm. <laughs> like I feel okay with more pain now. Like my pain tolerance has increased. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but I also felt that Like what I've gained is now I know more of what I want. 
now I know I don't want to sacrifice that, right? Mm -hmm. Like now I know I want not just a man that that loves me and not just a man that wants to be with me, but a man that makes that happen. Yeah, I think that for the both of us, it was those were our first real adult committed Mm -hmm. relationships where we were building something or thought we were building something. Mm -hmm. And I think also the fact that we're both in our 20s felt like we were also trying really hard to build something that we thought was the perfect relationship for the rest of our lives or something. Because I think we are conditioned to think that you meet the one and then you work on like keep going with that one person. And I don't know if there's something about men and women that perceive this thing differently. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure how I feel about the biological clock subject, but I do think that women in general maybe feel like once they try to settle with someone, they have to nurture that relationship and try to make it bloom. Of course, it's not true for every woman. Yeah. Of course. But I feel like once you're in a committed relationship and that you're not sure what you're doing, but you think you know what you're doing, mm-hmm. then we start I wouldn't say settling down, but we just accept the other person for who they are Mm. because you think, oh, that's how relationship works. You just Mm, have to put up with, then you think that's it. Yeah. I mean, this is actually, I mean, a similar argument my ex also made too. Like, I think he might have felt pressure in thinking that I wanted something for the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. Um, And I definitely think perhaps I gave off that impression, just as you said, because society has kind of shaped are thought to be in that way Mm. and I also grew up in a like quite religious environment Mm -hmm. and it's also that same mentality right oh date for marriage you don't just date to date I mean I feel completely differently about that now and for me it's not that I I want to say that I'm going to be with somebody for the rest of my life right I don't want to say that because I just don't know what's going to happen Mm -hmm. in my life. I don't know if, you know, two years from now, I will find different things to be attractive. You know, you Mm -hmm. just, the idea of another 60, 70 years alive, Mm -hmm. 80 maybe, (laughs) you know, that really, to be with someone that long, and I've only lived a little over a quarter of that. And I don't want to promise anything, but for me, what I know is that I want to be with you now. And I know I can see us being together for a while, right? Mm -hmm. Like there are no promises I can make, but the definitive thing that I know is that like, I love you and I want to be with you, right? Mm -hmm. But I think to be honest, for a lot of men, they might also feel this social pressure Mm -hmm. because they think that this is what women want, Yeah, right? They think women want to be with someone for the rest of their lives, but I don't feel that way. And I get into like heated discussions with my parents, for example, who are like, well, no, you have to get married. If a man isn't going to marry you, he's not committed to you. And I'm mm-hmm. like, but no, that's not, for me, that's not what it is. And I don't know, I just, I wonder like how much of it is actually also just maybe the men projecting what they think this woman should think. Mm-hmm. But maybe the woman also does think that because of society. But in the end, it's also, that's the discussion to be had between you and your partner in what it is that you think, what you believe, mm-hmm. you know, not just what society is telling us to believe and buying into that because I think that when you don't have communication about that that's when well that's when things start turning yeah (laughs) yeah yeah because again communication issues and they think Mm. that they know what we want 
and yeah. it's like marriage and growing all together and getting babies or whatever and like settling yeah. down and no we're here to support you whatever decision you're making and i just want you to be there i mean i think they are just in that stage in their life where they just want to focus on something else and you know it's also made i think us realize that well we want something more yeah. you know than just a a guy who hyper focuses on his career or one thing in life like for us we want to have a more i guess holistically viewed life yeah. where it's not just about work it's not just about one particular thing you yeah. know it's you want to share your entire life with a person we wanted to grow together yeah. with our partners yeah but i felt that our partners didn't necessarily see it the same way it's yeah. really that they thought that we were more of a distraction than yeah. than anything they're having a hard time to like fit all those pieces together but then we're not a distraction we're not a distraction yeah i think that's it it's just that i'm not keeping you from growing as a person you know yeah i'm like yeah. actually right here to accompany you on this journey you're yeah. supposed to be there to support me and all i've ever wanted was to be here for you and for us to support one another yeah but then this is also why they weren't ready yeah right and like of course we take a different perspective as the the dumpy yeah. <laughs> rather than the dumper i mean maybe they they perceive it differently but yeah i mean i think for us to also accept that they just aren't ready has also given us a reason to also move forward because it's it's just become more clear to us what we want and how that differentiates from what we feel that they wanted and how they've shown in their actions and also in their decision to end things yeah. you know mm-hmm. um for people who are going through heartbreak right now what are some things that i suppose people can do or focus on or like what would you say to somebody that is experiencing the intense pain of heartbreak <laughs> <laughs> um well for me i think uh what's been helping me is i've been telling myself every day the priority is you take care of yourself mm-hmm. like inside and out so that means uh take care of your mind but also take care of your body like try the best to do that push through even if it feels painful mm-hmm. um but like also listen to yourself because like if it feels too painful like don't try to run a marathon <laughs> but like try to take care of yourself inside and out and also try to take each day one at a time mm-hmm. like just focus on the one day that you have in front of you every morning when you wake up yeah that's actually also really helped me because i think i told you this already but when i think about the future prospect of us not being together anymore mm-hmm. it just makes me feel so much pain yeah. but then when i think about the present and i just consider am i actually happy right now yeah and i actually found that i am yeah. i am very happy there's this, a part of me that's still sad but my life is totally fine right now yeah. without him and just actually amazing i'm very happy and i think if you focus on the now and the day that you're experiencing it does help you take on the next day exactly that's exactly what i was thinking it's just that you take one day at a time and just checking with yourself ask yourself am i doing okay today and if you're not doing okay that's fine you're sad but you're yeah. going to see that eventually 
two weeks down, three weeks down, two months down, like six months down, you're going to see that you're actually doing so much better. Just take care of yourself. That's the most important. I also wonder if I'm going to miss feeling heartbreak. <laughs> um, honestly, like right now, I'm really... Okay, that's another subject. But um, like I was wondering, does the pain of heartbreak and the idea of like everything that you thought you were building for uh, is crumbling down? Like, am I ever going to be able to be in a new relationship? You know, mm. like, um, am I ever going to be able to love again without like not trusting the person to break my heart we'll see but that's why it's good to like take one day at a time and just yeah focus on right now i just want to be happy mm. and being happy does not mean being in a, re in a relationship so indeed and i mean i would say to that though jay is that i think a lot of people carry the weight of their past relationships onto the next relationship yeah But I also feel that that's a bit unfair in that your next partner might be completely different, mm -hmm. you know, and he of might course. be exactly what you need and what you want. Somebody that doesn't see you as a distraction, but who also chooses to grow with you. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm also saying this to myself, really, but, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, somebody that, that chooses that and that man will not be the same as your ex. Yeah. And so mm -hmm. even though your ex has broken your heart, and has made you feel this incredible pain it could be that the next guy won't you know yeah. it could also be that he will but yeah. <laughs> like like men are not all the same I yeah think. of course just like the thought of failing another relationship and feeling the heartbreak all yeah. over again it's just very very scary to me right now but you know this is like projecting like in years and years and years so that's yeah. the lesson is still take one day at a time and focus on what's really important, which is family and friends and like being healthy. And exactly. And, it. you know, maybe that's why that's what people say about, you know, when you aren't looking for the relationship, you end up finding yeah. the quote unquote right relationship. <laughs> um, because, yeah, you're just happy being you and like mm -hmm. with your life and you're not looking for an empty void to fill because you're filled basically, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I would add, I think, for the heartbreak that it's completely fine to, to feel this way. And to be honest, I don't think I'll miss this feeling mm -hmm. of pain, like the agony. <laughs> But I also feel that heartbreak, it is very rare mm -hmm. to feel this intense kind of pain and to actually have a broken heart. I mean, metaphorically speaking, it also means that you had a heart to break, right? Yeah. For me, I also have gotten to the point where I'm also happy to be experiencing it. Mm -hmm. it, was, it sounds very strange, but, you know, people can go through their lives not really loving somebody ever, not feeling this kind of intense romance. And it's not even romance. It's like to genuinely have a partner that you feel that has supported you, that you love, that you've built mm -hmm. a life together with, that you've had experiences with. And I'm lucky enough to say that I've at least experienced it mm -hmm. and all the heartbreak and the sadness that I feel right now are just a reflection of the love that we had. Yeah. And that's the thing too, is that I want to remember that it's not just all negative. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I do think that after a breakup, it's helpful to think about the negative things. Mm -hmm. I think otherwise it's hard to 
move on because then you're just clinging on to all the good things that have passed. And I think that's why so many people, you know, are like, well, fuck him, you know, mm -hmm. and like everyone's always very... Uh, I wouldn't call it pettiness, but there it, is a little, it's bit, a of little bit of pettiness. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I know that that's kind of a necessary part of the process. Mm. But at the same time, I don't want to forget the positive things to be learned from the relationship that I had. Because to be honest, it was an amazing two years. And I don't want to just remember it as something negative. And that's the part of heartbreak I will miss. Not the not the pain, but the lessons I think that it has taught me. Yeah. You know? I think that coming back to the idea that different people belong to different parts of your life, being heartbroken in quarantine and analyzing the good and the bad of the past relationship while in quarantine, so like facing all these things. In the end, it might feel right in mm. the sense <laughs> that you're processing like the end of the relationship but also everything that happened during the relationship while in quarantine while the world is clearly changing hmm. its whole model hopefully and i think that we're gonna come out of this as completely new person romantically speaking emotionally speaking but also because of whatever is happening outside yeah and i think that's fitting It's just like once we close the chapter of quarantine, we can also close the chapter of whatever happened before, which is also past relationships. But we can look at it in a positive way, just like, oh, okay, this person belonged to that part, the pre-COVID part of my life. And now, you know, it's time for a new chapter or even a new book, you know, it's just like... Yeah. And if anything, I do feel that if the next relationship I have doesn't work out, at least I will know the process, you know, mm -hmm. and I know the pain. And I know that, honestly, it really will just take time. Like I know in the very beginning, when we were experiencing heartbreak, people were telling us that, right? It was like, oh, it's just going to take time. It's just gonna yeah. And we were both like, Ugh. but when? <laughs> when? Why can't it be now? Yeah. Yeah, 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 for sure. There's so much growth when you experience heartbreak. Like, I think you cannot grow without any form of trauma i mean i don't wish trauma on anyone obviously but um growth stems from going through something difficult and not from living a eventless life yeah i think that um it's it's obviously beneficial to go through heartbreak it's just gonna hurt yep but then you're gonna be so proud of yourself in a couple of months Oh, yeah. I'm going to look back, I think, a few years from now and think, yeah. wow, I suffered through heartbreak during quarantine. Yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be really proud of myself, yeah. actually. <laughs> exactly. And yeah. now we know, like, the methods for the next heartbreak. Next heartbreak, just quarantine yourself for two months. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Jay, thank you very much for coming on to the podcast. I will say this will not be the last because we already have another subject that's <laughs> not do. about love and heartbreak no. in mind. And I'm very excited to talk about that. But yeah, thanks very much for just being super open and sharing the feels with everyone. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for inviting me. Like it was, I think it was important for us. And it's just like food for thought for everybody. So, yeah. And 
if anybody's interested in like the science of heartbreak, because actually I found that looking at the science of things was actually super helpful. (laughs) Just knowing, oh yeah, okay. So my mind is going through cocaine-like withdrawal syndromes. Mm -hmm. All right, awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, you can always look up Helen Fisher. That's Helen, H-E-L-E-N, Fisher, F-I-S-H-E-R. And she wrote a paper in 2005. That's very, very interesting. Um, But yeah, I guess, Jay, au revoir, à bientôt. Au revoir, à bientôt. Merci. (laughs) So, I hope that you got something out of this episode. (laughs) There was one thing that I said that um, I actually wanted to amend. It was near the end when I said, it just means that, you know, our exes weren't ready. But you know what? Again, that was by our standards of what kind of relationship that we wanted, right? But it could also mean that they just wanted something different, right? Because I think being ready implies that their choice was immature or they don't know what they want. But yeah, I think that part I'd like to clarify by ready, I don't mean to disregard what it is that they want. So anyway, I wanted to share um, something I had written in quarantine. The title of the piece is called No. The word no can be hard to take in. It's the first negative verbal form we encounter in our infancy. As children, it's the word that denied us of our desires, teaching us that we can't always have what we want. What's so wrong with wanting a cookie before dinner? Or going out to play with a friend? Or staying up past nine? In our teenage years, no brought out the rebel in us. No? Well, fuck you, I'm gonna do it anyway but it also made us feel like outcasts and losers. No, unfortunately, you're not good enough to make first string. No welcomed us into young adulthood, giving us a small taste of the reality of polite rejection. We regret to inform you that we cannot offer you admission to the class of 2015. Thank you for applying, but unfortunately, we've gone with another candidate. Paradoxically, as adults, No empowered us. No, that's very flattering, but I'm not interested. No, I don't need to look like a model out of Abercrombie and Fitch. And no, please remove me from your subscription base. These two single letters don't necessarily bear any significant meaning when used apart. But ordered together, N followed by O, they can also impale a gaping hole into your chest, especially in the case of love. Why doesn't he want me anymore? Weren't we happy? Weren't we enough for him? Was I not enough for him? I mean, I know we had our problems to work out, but on the whole, wasn't our relationship worth fighting for? No, on all accounts. In love, no embodies all the lessons and feelings we learned from childhood. No, you don't always get what you want. No, you're not good enough. You're rejected. You're a loser. There's something rebelling inside you, believing that you are good enough, that you were happy, that there is a reality in which your relationship could have worked out. But no. Here's where no leaves you feeling disempowered and lost in grief. You hear no, but you wish it was yes. 
When we aren't the ones using it, we aren't the ones reaping its power. When no comes from somebody else, we're bathed in rejection and despotence. But no can also help you grow out of love. You hear no, but what if you no longer wished for yes? Maybe I had it wrong. No, actually, we weren't good enough. No, I wasn't good enough for him. No, our relationship wasn't worth fighting for after all, and that's all okay. Accepting no is the gateway to finding yes. No, I wasn't good enough for him, but yes, I am good enough for me. Let the no's be no's and leave them where they are, because the day will come when you will wish yes, and you will hear yes. Yes, I want to be with you. Yes, we're happy. Yes, you're enough for me. Yes, we're enough for me. And yes, our relationship is worth fighting for. As with anything else in life, it probably becomes easier to say no with age, but it becomes even easier to accept it. So yes, I'll take your no. Ooh, okay, sorry, got a little emotional. <laughs> um, I know for a lot of people who might have just gone through a breakup or gone through a breakup before with somebody that they were really in love with, it sucks, you know, like the feeling really sucks. And I hope that something in this podcast resonated with you just to know that other people are going through it as well. And yeah, I mean, I could say, you know, a few months down the line now, like Jay and I have already met up <laughs> Corona safely in Paris. And yeah, we both have progressed a really long way and we're in a good place. So time does help, <laughs> we promise. But yeah, I think if you just keep working on yourself and focusing on yourself, the pain will subside day by day. If you want to reach out, I've left Jay's social media details in the description box and you can always direct message me on Instagram at therightfeeling underscore or email me at jane at therightfeeling.org. Definitely share it with somebody that you think needs it. Otherwise, I can't wait to feel the feels with you in the next episode.